0: Welcome to The Farm Project, where a group of ex-members and concerned loved ones take a deep dive into the Christian nonprofit organization based in Holden, Missouri called Harvest Home, Our Father's Farm. We want to caution our listeners, especially ex-farm members, that this episode comes with a trigger warning. This episode also comes with a disclaimer that the information presented and opinions expressed are solely our own. Welcome back everyone and thank you so much for joining us as we continue to present stories from people who have lived on the farm. Today I'm going to be reading part of Fran's story. Her story is broken down into six parts and you can read all those parts on our website. As a reminder, there will be names that are used in her story. The only names that are accurate and true are the names of the leadership. Everyone else, all of the housemates, everyone else that she talks about, they've been changed for their privacy. This one is a doozy, so let's jump right in. It was evident early on that the belief system on the farm was very different from mine. I like to believe that I'm pretty open-minded when it comes to other beliefs, and open to hearing other sides, so when I realized the farm was much more charismatic than what I'm familiar with, I came to accept the difference. I thought our beliefs could coexist as long as we were believing in the same God, but it turned out that their teachings were oppressive and shame-filled, not filled with the teaching of the God I know in the Bible. When meeting other residents, they all used the same greeting. We're so glad you're here. It was almost monotonous and robotic. After a few of those, I wondered if this was something we were taught to tell new members. I was too consumed with my emotional state of missing home that I let these little nuances slide. I let slide the fact that a couple of residents immediately let me know that people always thought the farm was a cult, followed by a chuckle. I never fully processed those words until six days into my stay at the farm. At the end of my first week, I had dealt with my emotions and the feeling terribly homesick had ceased. I still missed home, but I'd had the chance to speak to my husband and parents so I felt better. I was starting to get comfortable with my schedule and my different roles on the farm. I was also getting close to some of my housemates. The Monday after I arrived looked different. We were only working the first half of the day and the second half would be held in the refuge building where church, or corporate gathering as they called it, was held. For the last three Mondays, they had had a guest speaker on the farm who was also someone gifted in prophecy. On this particular Monday, it was her last and it was a treat for me to get to hear her teach. After lunch, the entire farm, including elders, gathered in the sanctuary located on the top level. Danny went up on stage and cracked a few jokes and introduced our guest speaker. She shared a couple of stories and memories with Rhonda. She spoke about how some visions she previously had. And then out of nowhere, Rhonda began laughing hysterically and audibly. At first I thought maybe she had been engaged in some side conversation. When I saw this wasn't the case, the next thought was the possibility of her laughing at something our guest speaker said but that reason hadn't fully clicked for me since I didn't remember the speaker saying anything funny. So we all chuckled along with her in some capacity, and then the guest speaker continued with her story. Rhonda continued laughing, now interrupting. No one twitched. I was so embarrassed for the speaker, but she didn't seem to mind. I was confused. Finally, Rhonda broke into a full belly aching laugh, attempting to catch her breath a few times. I sat there, shocked, stunned, And even more confused. The speaker finally explained that the laughter means there was spiritual warfare happening in the room. Rhonda eventually dropped to her knees then laid on her belly laughing until she went silent. I was convinced she had fallen asleep. The guest speaker proceeded with prophesying over some of the women. Some of the elders walked around praying for some of us residents. It was a sweet tender moment although I did feel uncomfortable with all the wailing in the background but I continued to remind myself why I was there. Finally, one of the men on the farm, Kelly's husband, took the microphone. He was filled with the spirit and then for whatever reason felt the need to do the haka dance, which originated in New Zealand. For those unfamiliar with this, the haka dance was traditionally used to prepare for battle. So in support of his point that we must be unashamed to follow Jesus, he began doing the haka. He invited the residents to join in and they did. Then everybody proceeded to circle the room, stomping and chanting. They would stop every fifth step and yell Jesus' name in the center. I chose to stay seated because I was uncomfortable, thought it was voluntary, and was still getting to know the procedures of the farm. As I observed, I clapped along and laughed with some of the residents who made silly faces at me. I was a little embarrassed that I was the only resident who stayed back along with the elders, but I didn't force myself to do something that made me uncomfortable. Finally, the marching and chanting stopped, and Danny got up with Kelly, and they stood by Kelly's husband in the circle. They all were looking in my direction. All of the residents I sat with had been marching in the circle, so it is important for you to know that no one else was sitting near me when all of this was happening. A Bible appeared, and Danny began speaking. He spoke about how sinful it is to be afraid or to look silly or dumb for Jesus. He continued to say that we must completely be unafraid to break out and dance and even yell, whether in public or private, for Jesus. Danny continued, with this rant on being foolish for the lord then used pieces of scriptures where certain men in the bible ripped their cloaks and danced foolishly for the lord what danny didn't include was the entire context as to why these biblical figures did such things following this lesson he flipped his bible to hebrews 13:17 that reads obey your leaders and submit to their authority they keep watch over you as men who must give an account my cheeks felt hot my heart dropped and i froze with intense embarrassment i was ashamed Danny looked over in my direction as he read the Bible verse again. Taken out of context, but I knew it was being used to reprimand my decision of staying seated. The leaders continued to speak in my direction. Kelly grabbed the mic and continued on the point of obeying leaders. She stated that if they tell you to stand, you stand. I pretended to write notes because I was too embarrassed to face the fact that I was being shamed publicly. This all feels legalistic and imparts condemning. I didn't want to do a march, and all of the leaders spoke, and it felt shame-filled. I don't trust that Rhonda and Danny are teaching these residents about their freedom in Christ. I think they're keeping them entrapped by using fear as a tactic. I will be agreeable, and I will comply for the sake of my time here. But I will not let them manipulate my faith for their own gain. Journal entry on September sixteenth, 2019. We closed out in prayer where many women were found wailing and casting out demons while I sat, tears filling my eyes, wanting to go home. I knew this interaction with leadership had placed more of a target on my back. I was still in disbelief. Did I just sign myself up for a cult? I was angry. I was confused. I was also convinced that I would be looking for a flight home by the end of that week. But this thought hit me even harder. If I go home, I'm going home to the same trauma and pain that brought me here. At that very moment, a very stern, still voice uttered, stay with me. Stay for me. This is all noise. Ignore it and let me heal you. I will protect you. I know I was feeling the assurance from God and that even in the chaos, in the midst of a cold, God could still do the healing work he intended to do. As the weeks went on, the teachings grew weirder and the belief system that encapsulated the farm became more problematic for me, but I stayed the course. I committed to staying for myself and ignoring all the things that made me uncomfortable. Our weekly schedules not only consisted of long hours of labor on the farm, but we had corporate prayer on Friday nights after work. We'd all have to rush home from work, eat dinner, shower, and head over to the sanctuary where we were discouraged from being tardy. We'd have about half an hour to get settled and chat with some of the members on the farm. There were other members from the community, women and families, who had close ties with the farm who were invited to attend these corporate gatherings. These gatherings were where Rhonda took the spotlight. As per usual, Danny was the first to speak, but unlike other public situations, the first half hour to hour was spent asking members of the community to speak on how they've been blessed that week. People would share their uplifting stories or sometimes even sing because they felt led to sing. Finally, we'd get a five minute break and then Rhonda would come up to teach. Her teachings were interesting. Rhonda wasn't a theologian or a pastor who's completed the educational piece. Her teachings were based on what she felt God was wanting her to teach. There would be times where she'd be standing at the pulpit teaching a prepared sermon and then suddenly grow silent and say, God wants me to teach this, or God wants me to stop here and do this. Rhonda's teachings were based on half-truths. She used pieces of scripture to support her claims and ideas about God and was never used in its complete context. All of Rhonda's teachings had shame and guilt sprinkled in the mix rather than grace and love. I was able to ignore as much as I could, but to be honest, some days were harder than others and I felt victim to the shame. Liz, as I mentioned in part three, experienced a number of panic attacks from feeling ashamed and guilty for the sins she had committed in her past. Rhonda didn't teach freedom from our past, but rather focused her teachings on fear of recommitting those sins. Liz would cry on a constant basis, doubt her goodness, and even express the feeling of being judged on the farm. Rhonda's teachings didn't give life. They kept you trapped in a mud pit filled with your past sins and mistakes. My other housemate, Crystal, had struggled with homosexuality, and I knew it from the moment I met her. She always seemed angry and on occasion would lash out at all of us who lived with her. I loved her but avoided her often because I didn't know which crystal I'd get. She did struggle with other disorders that she wasn't being medicated for because the farm believed in God as the ultimate healer, not medication. I knew she wasn't living authentically. Rhonda preached a lot about homosexuality and how sinful it is. She blamed Christians for its spread around earth for not stopping it as if it was our job to do that as if it were our job to tell people how to live and or use the free will given to them, because it isn't. During these teachings, my heart ached for Crystal. She didn't hear about how much God loved her, because he does. She didn't hear that she is worthy, because she is. I didn't see Crystal live her true self. She pretended to have crushes on boys while dressing like one. It always seemed forced. I wanted to tell her that she didn't need to hide, but didn't know how to approach her. For her birthday, the farm threw her a tea party, where she was asked to wear the pinkest dress she could find, paired with fancy shoes, hair done, along with a full face of makeup. It was all so hard to watch. It made me cringe how much the leaders glowed as if they had healed her of her struggle with being gay. Among the many teachings that were questionable in my book, a few stood out the most. Three things were constantly talked about. Witchcraft, birds, and finally, unclean spirits. Rhonda often feared that her leadership role would be taken away, as most cult leaders do. She preached a lot about certain women living on the farm who she claimed were witches and trying to infiltrate by befriending leaders and residents. On one of the weeks, Rhonda led a conference and a woman arrived hours before the agreed upon time, and leadership had her kicked out because Rhonda felt she was a witch. This woman seemed like a very kind woman who had made a mistake with her schedule. I remember leaving the refuge building and noticed her in the distance reading a book and... The king's garden. Completely harmless. The next thing I knew, they kicked her off the farm because of what Rhonda told everyone. All because she had arrived early. My initial thought was, this is absolutely crazy. But then I thought, if this is a so-called Christian farm, wouldn't you want to invite this so-called witch in? Wouldn't Jesus invite a conversation with her? Didn't he come and dine with sinners? If they believe in God's protection, what do they have to fear? According to Rhonda, birds had a deep connection to witches. The farm believed and taught that witches would enter into a bird through witchcraft and use its ability to fly, to fly over the farm and observe things like location, procedures, and the amount of people who lived on the farm. Owls were absolutely unwelcome because they were the ultimate figure for witches. I'm assuming Rhonda is basing this from Harry Potter. It always amazed me that someone who had such deep connection with the Lord and believed in his protection feared being harmed by the evils of the world so much. Rhonda taught the members of the farm that birds were immediately connected to witches, so they must be rebuked and prayed away the moment they fly over the farm. On many occasions, I'd be walking from one destination on the farm to another, enjoying a conversation with someone, and all of a sudden, in the name of Yeshua and by the authority given to me as a priest of the Most High God, I command you to leave this farm immediately and cancel all of your plans to harm. This was a constant thing that you'd hear on the farm and always made me feel the same way, uncomfortable. I'd put my head down and just keep walking. I never engaged in these chants, nor did I ever want to. Many birds appear in the Bible from sparrows to eagles, and there's even a verse, Psalm 5011, that says, I know every bird in the mountains and the insects in the fields are mine. Let's also note that God himself appeared as a bird, specifically a dove, when Jesus was being baptized. Birds are unwelcome on the farm, and the women and staff were often paranoid at the appearance of one. It's comical that the farm taught everyone to rebuke birds, yet they owned goats. They cared for, raised, and loved these beautiful goats, yet if we're using their same belief system, wouldn't they want to get rid of said goats since they're the symbol for satanic religions? Just a thought to ponder on. further proving the ridiculousness of their teachings. Apparently they weren't created by God, i.e. Psalm 5011, nor have a purpose on earth. I witnessed the killing of many garden spiders. I'll be the first to admit I hate spiders with a passion but I do believe every animal has a purpose for its creation. So as much as possible I try to respect creation. I have never seen such beautiful wolf spiders as I did on the farm and that's the truth. They were stunning and I enjoyed watching them frolic through the leaves in the garden I quickly learned that letting anyone know I had found a spider would result in the immediate killing of that spider. I am not a fan of snakes either, but think they deserve to roam freely in open land as long as they are not a nuisance. I stumbled upon a snake nest with eggs. I picked one up, attempting to secretly move it to a safe area, and one of my housemates saw it in my hand. She snatched it and stomped on the eggs, exposing the dead baby snakes inside. I was able to save a few eggs and quickly move them to a safe space without anyone catching me. The paranoia over these creatures drove me crazy. The stories of their killing of snakes for just crossing the road horrified me. It never made sense that a place claiming to be a place of peace and healing would go out of their way to kill creatures just for existing. It was a dark side that I truly wish I hadn't witnessed. I could write an entire book of the skewed version of the Bible that Rhonda and the farm teaches but one of the beliefs that simply baffled me was this concept of unclean spirits. I heard this phrase very early on in my time at the farm. Before I continue, I want to state that the actual words unclean spirits are mentioned in the Bible several times, both in the Old and New Testament. I also researched as much as I could on this and I continued to be pointed to scripture that mentions possessions of unclean spirits. The argument here isn't that they don't exist. I believe evil lures, our world and that there is a spiritual realm we don't get to see but the teachings on the farm are dark and unlike anything i have found there's not a lot of theology if any that backs Rhonda's teachings and if we for a moment think okay what if Rhonda has it figured out what if her teachings are the truth my rebuttal is how come no respectable pastor of our time has taught anything close to this where their career has consisted of studying the bible Throughout these unclean spirit teachings, I struggled with the fascination everyone had for Rhonda and I just couldn't shake the thought that if all of this were true, why aren't theologians and pastors teaching this? Or why aren't they running to Rhonda to gain wisdom on this subject matter? So what are unclean spirits? Buckle up because this one is a doozy. In some, an unclean spirit is an unsaved ghost of someone who has died, but has gone to neither heaven nor hell. They are living in purgatory. These spirits roam the earth trying to find a way to fulfill their desires they had on earth, such as drugs, alcohol, sexual gratification, etc. Because they're not physically in the real world, they're tormented in this purgatory, desperately trying to fulfill these desires. But alas, there is a way they can fill their needs. They just need to wait for an opening. How do they stumble upon such an opening, you ask? Well, one way is our sins, the ones you and I make. An immediate opening for these unclean spirits to enter us. For example, if I am passed out drunk, a sort of portal, they called them doorways at the farm, becomes available and open to any and all spirits who want in. Once I am possessed by this spirit, they control my thoughts, emotions, and actions. If I become addicted to something, it isn't my free will and choice granted by God that is causing me to stumble, it's this unclean spirit. But wait, This isn't the only way to have a doorway accessible to an unclean spirit. Surgery, blood work, anything involving needles and not being in constant prayer for God's protection is a way to invite a spirit in. Not allowing the fire of God to die within you is a great way to protect your doorways and not allow them to be accessible to the unclean spirits. Now, you don't have to live this way forever. You just need help casting out the spirit. That's where Rhonda or someone who has been trained in this can help. There is even a manual Ronda Road that serves as a guide. There is one important rule when dealing with an unclean spirit, and that is one must not invite an unclean spirit into a conversation unless you've been trained or have had your doorways prayed over. The trained person will lead you into prayer to cast out this spirit, but it should be noted that this unclean spirit can also be saved and sent to heaven. So the person casting out the demon or unclean spirit is working with you to cast them out while also preaching to the unclean spirit and helping them get saved. Lastly, this unclean spirit might have a demon or legion of demons attached to them, creating more steps in the casting out process. If this is the case, the steps are one command the demon to leave two, try to communicate with the unclean spirit and save them from purgatory. Three, cast them all out and you're free sort of. All of this goes against everything I believe. Not because I don't believe in possessions and whatnot, but because I believe that when you've been saved by grace, you're protected by the blood of Jesus. God's protection isn't transactional. If I don't openly pray about God's protection over me every minute, it doesn't just go away. Instead of seeing God as this merciful, loving figure who desires so badly to be with us, he is seen as this figure who demands prayer and our time on the farm. He demands to be worshiped and the moment we stop giving him the things he demands of us, he'll abandon us and hand us over to the evils of the world. Everything I know and have read about God in the Bible contradicts every bit of this. All of the women who live on the farm know Jesus, yet are always fearful he'll abandon them, so they force themselves to press in even more, not because they have this wonderful relationship with him, but because they're terrified. These women have all been saved by grace, yet they are constantly possessed and in fear of having an unclean spirit invade their spaces. The God I know is all forgiving, just, kind, and loving. The farm's version of God is not one I'm familiar with, nor one I would worship. He sounds exhausting. It saddens me to think that these women are living in his freedom and love. Another way Rhonda says these spirits can attack and insert themselves are through worldly things. What you listen to, watch, and or say can create an easy opening. I do believe that as Christians, we should be mindful of what we do, but the farm took it to another extreme calling things like Disney and Harry Potter satanic. Watching or partaking anything related to these would allow unclean spirits to penetrate us. We didn't watch TV at all on the farm and only had select farm approved or Rhonda approved movies and CDs to listen to. I listened to the same music every week and watched about two movies while I was there. I didn't necessarily mind the no TV rule since it gave me more time to be intentional with my time in healing, but I didn't like the downtime to be controlled and needing approval. I lost count of the many deliverances of unclean spirits or demons I witnessed. Same goes for the rebuking of birds and killing of spiders and snakes. At times, I'd feel afraid to join in on prayer with residents because I knew what it would eventually lead to. After each session with my pastoral counselors, I'd get asked how many unclean spirits were inside of me or how many they removed, and my answer would always be the same. None. I was okay with being agreeable and comply with things forced upon us on the farm, but I would not enable a belief that isn't biblical. I think some of my housemates suspected that I didn't believe in unclean spirits or knew I questioned some of Rhonda's teachings. They'd sometimes ask for my thoughts on certain teachings and I'd be too scared to finish my thought. I too became paranoid. Paranoia became my friend. Paranoid that someone would reprimand me or worse, turn me into Rhonda and kick me off the farm with nowhere to go. Hey everyone, Uh, Dee has joined me to discuss... Fran's story. Um, Fran's story is full of just so much meat and so much information that I feel that there's a lot to talk about. Um, And so one of the first things I'm going to just get out of the way is just, I love how Fran right at the beginning says that she was open-minded to their belief system. She could tell that it was already a little different than how she would go about it, but she kept an open mind that she kept you know just this hopeful spirit that they could still all be loving the same God but they just might worship him a little differently but little did Fran know was that you're not allowed to worship God differently it all has to be the same way even calling him uh, Yeshua which we have heard from other stories that you know you don't call him Jesus Jesus whatever, it's Yeshua. And that's just it. And so we can, we can already tell that kind of the system that is in place at the farm is very much like there's only one way to worship Jesus.
1: Right. Yeah. As, as you said, there is a lot to this story. Um, But that's a, a good point to bring up is that we've seen it from, you know, or you'll hear it from several stories that we read to you or that you can read on the website that people did come in with high hopes. um, And even like, like you said, she came in with an open mind. um, And, you know, I think in any typical, you know, recovery or healing, like going, going somewhere to get those things, that would be a great, um, you know, a great mindset to have. However, you know, it's also one that we've seen proves to not not hurt them, but it just makes it a little bit tougher because you want they want so badly to you know fit in and to make it and to make it work and to, to get through to the other side, whatever that might mean. And we've talked about that, uh, or we will talk about that in another episode too. But it, I don't know. It, there's just so many things in here that are that are tough. Mm-hmm. Um, and she gives us some insight onto a few experiences too that we haven't heard a ton about. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of those things I wanted to bring up. Uh, was you know she does mention the whole idea of witchcraft um and so sc since you have been on the farm uh do you want to maybe kind of bring light to what that kind of looked like in your experience um as well as now we have France to kind of go off of as well
0: yeah well I think I think other stories have mentioned that if you are not a member of of the farm or you might question even a little bit the teachings of the farm, you're automatically a witch. And that's so strange to me. Like why you pick, right. you know, witch. And it just right. it, and from my experience, it just it felt like Rhonda was always obsessed with the occult. Yet a lot of the rituals that they did and a lot of the things that, you know, the the weird stuff that they would get into, in my opinion, seems to be of the occult, you know, the multiple chants, the circles, the just seems like a lot of things that you would find in your typical witchcraft. And I know that witchcraft is not, you know, what we see on TV, but you know what they do, it seems way closer to the occult than I think they realize Um, And Fran used an example that there was a woman that was going there to, I guess, one of the week long seminars that Rhonda hosts and she was early and that threw everybody off on the farm based on her story that, you know, everybody's just felt that it was so weird that she had just come early and she was supposed to be in later. And that Fran went out and looked at her, and she just seemed like a really sweet woman reading by a garden. You know, she just happened to be there early, and later on, she found out that they kicked her off of the farm because they were saying that she was a witch. Like it's just little <laughs> things like that that just don't make sense to me.
1: Right. It, it feels like a lot of things, um, and and I think you'll, uh, as the audience, you'll understand this more as we continue to talk about it. But a lot of things are just really excessive um they're taking little things and blowing them out of proportion uh from our uh, viewpoint and and that's what's that's what's so tough is is <laughs> they're just miniscule minuscule things that just shouldn't that's not a reason to kick someone off or a reason to even like make someone feel shameful or guilty and, and they, they take these things and they use them constantly um and this is just a, yet another example of it and so i know that um one of the One of the big things too was like this whole idea of like the birds being, you know, Rhonda hates the birds. And I have, Oh my God. (laughs) This one gets me. I just, I just don't, I don't know. I don't understand that. What is, what was your experience of the birds when, when you were there?
0: I mean, (laughs) real talk. (laughs) I thought it was crazy. I thought it was a joke. Mm -hmm. I thought it was a joke. But in Fran's story, she breaks it down that, you know, she would be walking to one point of the farm to another and all of a sudden she would hear, you know, the chanting. Um, I don't have it in front of me, but it's like, you know, this, this long chant that you basically yell at the birds and they're supposed to go away from the farm. (laughs) And for those of you listening that may have not um, maybe heard the whole story or read it on our website, you know, basically Rhonda teaches Farm members that birds are associated with witchcraft, that witches will get into use a bird to come in and fly over the farm. I'm this baffles me because what do you have on the farm <laughs> that you are hiding? Right, if right. You so called have been anointed, you know, with this knowledge of God. Why wouldn't you welcome people to share, I guess, this truth with? You know, why are you so paranoid? Like if you have God's protection, what do you have to fear? Mm. You know, so what if a witch flies over? Okay. Using her example, like, well, so what? Right. <laughs> like you have God's protection. If you are doing all the right things, then you don't need to be worried about anybody flying over. But this makes me question that maybe they're just more paranoid of people finding out the truth of what they are. And so they train their residents to be afraid of everything that's outside of their i guess dome of protection because that's how you keep them in
1: yeah um yet another just one of those things where yeah I i don't know it just doesn't it's just i'm sorry it just doesn't make sense to me um probably for good reason but it, it's just it's really tough because because like you said if you do have um if you are a believer and you're in the word you know that god you know he arms you and he he protects you and he has ways of doing that and and so the fact that she's paranoid about birds which by the way was also his creation so why are we not worshiping or we, like honestly the other side of it worshiping every living creature um and everything made in his image and like that's what's so so that's where it just really falls apart for me is that if she's so confident and she's so um she's so sure in her word she's so sure about god and, and the things that she teaches and yet she's afraid of birds
0: right well i mean didn't the holy spirit appear as a dove when jesus was being baptized
1: yeah so right
0: obviously and birds are mentioned so much in the bible and they always signify wonderful things
1: they do actually yeah just like with the ark and and all those like there's there's tons of examples of it It, it's it actually that's okay wait a second (laughs) this is going through my brain at this moment but if you think about it like they were they do signify hope in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. in the bible and yet that's the last thing she wants you to have yeah so she's Mm -hmm. like birds bad aka hope bad, which we're probably giving her more credit than she deserves, but like in a weird way, that seems to be some kind of like connection because there's, or she just had a very traumatic issue with birds in the past, which by, but then, oh, she's getting triggered, um you know, but has God not healed her yet because she's been there for that long? Like, there's just so many ways you could go about that.
0: Right, right. No, and I, it also makes me question how you're teaching the residents how to read the bible because if you yes. are teaching them to read the bible for themselves and to do it, you know, with a group of people, you know, you ask questions and you know like you study together, but it's clearly evident that they're not being taught how to properly read the bible and are just basing the bible off of what Rhonda teaches because they would all be able to read in scripture the different times that birds are mentioned and it's not a bad thing.
1: Right. Right. Well, and, um, you know, in, in a few stories too, people, uh, people mention, authors mention that they are afraid or were afraid when they got out to open up the Bible because they, they everything was so twisted yeah. and that's so sad in itself. But that, I mean, that makes sense as to where she's, she's the one up front. as in I'm picturing this, I've never been there, but like from all the stories and from USC, like I can picture her standing up there up front, having the Bible open, but barely reading from it unless she has to like kind of cherry pick and throw some things on a screen just to make it look good. And then she twists it all up. And no wonder, I can't imagine going and then reading the Bible, how confused a person would be like, that's that you have to rewire so many parts of your brain, right, to just to read something that's so full of goodness and love and the opposite of what the farm is full of. And that's so that's frustrating.
0: Well, I remember in like one of my 'Cause I did one of the training sessions. I think every resident at some point has to do one of these, like week-long training sessions. And, you know, I was reading or I was going through her manual because Rhonda creates her own manual. Um, and I was following along with her as best as I could, like flipping through all the scripture and flipping my Bible, and not a single resident that was there was flipping through the Bible along with me. Like they were just listening to what she was saying. And so even on you know corporate prayer I still would flip through the bible and try to follow along with her because I every for me everything that she taught just wasn't wasn't biblical like it was just not based on truth it right. was taken out of context and so I just wanted to know where she was pulling stuff from and no one had their bible open doing the same thing it was just like you open to where she says and then you're just listening to her and then you, it morphs into something else and and there's yeah. this, there's not this individual relationship with god from my experience and it's you know and even fran mentions it that it's it's there's only one way that that you're supposed to love jesus and it's the rhonda way
1: um right and that's yeah time and time again we see that pattern of everything comes back to rhonda and if it's not approved by rhonda it doesn't go and um, i did have one question for you um since you've been there I, I was thinking about this so like even God encounters in in those kinds of situations were you guys ever alone do you ever have alone time other than maybe going to the bathroom <laughs> <laughs>
0: um there I don't know if every house has this but my house had like a prayer room that you could use and so some of the housemates would use it like in the morning but I mean it's only one room so right. you'd go and if you're there for two hours, nobody else can use it. You know, um, you can ask. Right. You know, hey, can I have it in a couple minutes? Whatever. Um, so sometimes I would take advantage of that and just sit in there, inside. Right. Just sit in there because the noise just was constant. The wailings were constant. And um, but with God encounters, you're with your quote unquote pastoral care counselors. You know, right. so it's and you're having to tell them everything. That you're being counseled through which is also i don't know it just it felt very weird because they want you to invite jesus into this session and i feel like your relationship with jesus is so intimate and you're having right. to regurgitate everything that you're experiencing with jesus in that
1: moment and i don't know to right. me that
0: just feels like a violation a- as well
1: Mm-hmm. yeah well and and I was just trying to think about that too, because so literally every experience, especially the major ones, it seems like that are supposed to be so, you know, healing and help you with recovering from whatever you're recovering from, Mm -hmm. they're with somebody else and they're influenced by somebody who's also influenced by Rhonda, if it's not herself. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it just all feels tainted. It all feels, um, it all feels muddy. And like, everyone's been infiltrated (laughs) by Rhonda. And so then there's just like nothing actually pure. It's all been...
0: Yeah. Well, their trainings are God encounter trainings. So it's literally how to either facilitate these sessions or how to be a part of a session. And there's a whole manual and there's, and there are prayers that you're supposed to say. And if you happen to stumble upon an unclean spirit, then you turn to page, you know, I'm just going to make up a number, but page 72, and you're going to pray that prayer over this unclean spirit or demon or legion of demons. Um, And then if you encounter, um, you know, a traumatic, I don't know, something, you know, you need to cover your doorways with the blood of Jesus. So let's, let's turn to page 25 and say this prayer over that. So, I mean, yeah, you're right. I think you said it perfectly that it's just, all
1: of it is just tainted. That's really frustrating and sad because I, and and that too, like with with what you just said, it almost feels like there's zero room for the Holy spirit. There's no room for discernment. There's no room for you to kind of, Go off into wherever you feel the Lord's leading you. I know Rhonda does it, and she uses that where she says, oh, the Lord just told me, but no one else seems to be able to do Mm -hmm. that, which is another red flag Mm -hmm. of um, just they're, they're not even teaching the members there or even the leaders how to listen to the Holy Spirit, I don't think, like and how to create that connection with someone so that you can then feel the Lord telling you something important. Um, cause I do think that's a, a very real thing, but the way that they seem to do it is just really, um, just seems extremely influenced, uh, by Rhonda.
0: Yep. Well, I even think, because I think Fran did a great job explaining just some of the teachings a little bit further we've heard from other stories just how bizarre their teachings may be on the farm but fran breaks it down from you know just some of the ritualistic stuff that they do which we'll touch on in in a bit but you know she also mentions unclean spirits and so to your point where you're saying you know it seems like everything is just kind of influenced by rhonda in some fashion um, even the unclean spirits thing to me, I feel like is influenced. You know, if you don't have an unclean spirit, then you just don't have a you know, just that deeper desire to get healed. And so i this triggered me to think of like uh, one of my roommates, she loved hip hop and the culture of hip hop and and more of like the urban style. And, you know, she loved to to freestyle rap. And so she would sometimes rap prayers and you know, she was very gifted. She was very gifted. And the farm definitely wanted her to eliminate that piece of her. And she came back from a God encounter. And she was like, y'all, you won't believe, you know, who's unclean or who my unclean spirit was. And so she came back saying it was like a famous rapper that has, you know, been deceased. And she's like, yeah. And we're like, how do you have this person? Like, how did you figure this out? And she's like, and she described this whole scenario of how she found him within her spirit, I guess. But yeah, and, and she had this rapper and and she's like, that explains why I love hip hop so much. And it explains like, you know, we, we she's like, we saved him, like we prayed over him and he, you know, we saved him. We were able to save him and now he's in heaven, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, I remember looking at her and I think she knew that I didn't believe her. Because it just all sounds so wild. Because this is not biblical, but she was really believing this, and so I don't want to like kill her spirit too, saying like, "Girl, you tripping." But at the same time, it's like, "Oh no, like no, you're that's just how you're. That's how the Lord made you." <laughs> like, yeah,
1: that's just not. And and that's that's the hard thing too is is they when you when i like as an outsider's perspective too um you know i i we can sit there and say oh yeah dude that's crazy and and that's so so weird and but then you we have what we have to do is even as uh you know as our audience is you have to remind yourself too like they have let's remind ourselves of the conditions they're in of the amount of Control and power that's being held over them, like all these things. And on top of that, they have something they're trying to heal from, and so they're looking for any anything that they can. They're looking for anything that they can to help help with that. And so, you know, when they're being told something's wrong, and then and then (laughs) conveniently the next day or however long later, they're saying, "Oh, we found you know we found the root of that issue." And what really just throws me though is that. How can you see, like.
0: I, right. But, you know, I mean, I get it. There, this isn't judgment on the residents because we know that they're in a vulnerable state and you want to heal so badly. So you will believe and do anything, you know, to heal so badly. Um, And some of these ladies come from some really heavy stuff where their mind is just, just abuse and whatever and so here comes Rhonda this woman who knows what she's doing and is manipulating them and believing that all of their problems are based on unclean spirits there was a little boy that was being raised on the farm Um, his mom lived there too Um, and she the mom gave a testimony one time uh, continuing with the unclean spirits that you know he loved to dance and he loved to dance like ballet and he had like his hands would do like in other words, she was saying he was very feminine uh, from what I, what I understood from it. And so she called Rhonda over to the house and Rhonda, you know, did an, uh, like, a, like a session, a God Encounter session or one of her sessions with him privately. And she uncovered that he had a famous ballerina, um, unclean spirit attached to him. Okay, this was a boy that was maybe like three or four. Okay, three or four. And Rhonda is saying that he had an unclean spirit attached to him that was a ballerina from like the 1400s That supposedly was very and i don't remember if i got the dates right but she was the ballerina was very famous and so that's where you know he he got his whole desire for ballet and whatever and in my mind i'm like uh no it's because he's being raised by women all the time he's around women all the time right so he doesn't have another perspective to look at like he doesn't have like there are men on the farm but the majority of his influence are women but
1: <laughs> right. but this little Which, boy logically yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, that's what okay so then they're gonna rep well not reprimand i should say that but you know they're gonna make this big deal about him wanting to be a dancer and yet like in fran's story if you didn't dance <laughs> apparently you got ridiculed or you got you know like shamed for it like. With the whole, I just like this is what's so funny. There, there's no, there's zero consistency, and I get like if they're, no, actually I actually don't get it, but I, I just don't. That to me is so far fetched. And like, a plus for creativity, Rhonda, but where are you getting this stuff from? And like, are you so desperate to find these answers and be the one that who knows it all that you're willing to? to hurt people and to mess with their heads. Like that's where it comes from. It seems just cause like, just with a uh, narcissist, which we have some, you know, resources and tools to figure out like, Hey, how do you tell if someone's a narcissist? Well, one of the biggest things is, you know, this confidence thinking they know it all and, and um, feeling entitled so, like, she feels entitled to know all the answers. And she feels like she, she has all this power. And, and it's just, and you're, what if that? What if that little boy had a like the Lord has gifted him with to be a I don't know what the term is a ballerinas? or guys they they also ballerinas There's a name Yeah well I guess
0: they don't, I think now it's just like ballet dancer yeah, Right
1: so like what if he was gonna be a great ballet dancer like that's right. and that was a gift that God gave him and she's sitting here and like who's who's she to think that she should just tell him he has an unclean spirit attached to him How would he
0: even how but it's a, but it's a little boy and i maybe i'm wrong i mean i'm not you know i'm not an expert in the bible i'm not a theologian but don't children like don't they have a special right. protection some innocence so it's like he would be covered yeah there's some innocence there so like wouldn't he be covered by the blood already and like mm. I, that whole piece to me just really really bugs me about the unclean spirits and you know Fran is just another example of this of this story and I think D your perspective is important because you know there might be listeners that haven't experienced the farm or don't have anyone who has lived on the farm and so I think your reaction and your confusion is you know totally valid and and I think appreciated because for an outsider this is like
1: mm-hmm.
0: what what and even for me, like I read these stories and I'm like, What, like, how is this real? And I live there, so I know. Yeah. But, um, so to Fran's going back to Fran's story, where she talked about you know the dance that the leader had led a group of residents, um, you know, a haka dance is not an American thing, it stems from New Zealand, and so the fact that this man went up there and decided to do this ritualistic dance um, and invite everybody else in it. And Fran felt obviously uncomfortable. She was still new and because she didn't participate. um, If I counted correctly, it was like three leaders Mm. that were basically Bible shaming her uh, in front of everybody who, again, she didn't know. And I just, I just can't imagine how she felt like just how embarrassed and uh, probably felt like she had a target. Like, you know, maybe they saw her as a rebellious person or, you know, when she was just trying to figure out like, what, what is this? What, where am I?
1: She was literally asking all the questions that a normal sane person would ask in that situation. And that's, that's what, that is what, once again boggles my mind is 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 that that was then ridiculed and and yet any in any other situation if you were in you know you felt uncomfortable or you felt like you just didn't know what was going on those are such fair questions to ask and then the fact that they then bible shame her and like that just oh my gosh why and and what makes them think that people are going to want to stay there when they treat i mean they do that's what that's what's hard is is once again, my outsiders opinion is is it's so I get so confused so easily because they want people to stay and yet they treat them like this and yet people do still stay because they so desperately want to be like they're just using their desperation and they're using it as a way to take advantage of them and literally be cruel. Mm-hmm. And and that's appalling and disturbing among other words.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, I think Fran wrote it in there that you know she wanted to leave immediately but then she Mm -hmm. felt like this calming voice you know that we can assume you know was god letting her know like to stay that he wanted to work with her and she stuck it out um and kudos to her (laughs) because that's the you know that's to be publicly shamed within less than you know without being there for a full week already like that's just so much um And then she mentioned her roommate um, that she uses a different name. Um, Obviously she uses aliases as well, but in her story, she uses the name crystal and she describes crystal having a lot of, you know, struggles and one in particular was mental health struggles and she hadn't been medicated and she was constantly up and down, up and down, up and down. And that has, I have never lived with somebody who struggles with, you know, severe mental issues, but I have people close to me who have, and I just know how difficult that is. Mm -hmm. So I can't imagine living with somebody who's really a stranger to you and having to deal with these emotional roller coasters. Um, You know, but again, the farm doesn't believe in medication. So this person could be struggling with bipolar disorder, manic depression, you know, we don't know. Mm-hmm. but that person's not getting medicated and they need to see a professional because hello, it's a, it's an imbalance. Like they need medicine.
1: Right. 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 Well, and there comes a point too, where, you know, even I feel like for, for myself and, and not to get too into this controversial topic, because I know people feel differently about it on all different spectrums, but like mm-hmm. I'm all for natural stuff. You know, I love mm-hmm. to go the natural route if possible, but then there comes a point where you're just like, God created us as humans um, and we have the ability in the, the brains to come up with things and to evolve and to grow and to come up with, um, modern medicine. And that's something that I think he, no, I know he was, he fully well knew what was going to happen. So it's just one of those things where, you know, especially for crystal, like that is just to not get help. I mean, com- I can't imagine how confused she is in her own head and that, and she doesn't even know what, I don't know, she's probably so lost. And, and yet, and other people are having to deal with that as well. And this whole idea of just not and, and that's my one thing too, is, is, um, you know, like, let's say, let's say hypothetically, Crystal got on medication, and all of a sudden, she's better. What does Rhonda have to do now? She doesn't, she's not right. know it all. She's not the one who fixed her. She's not the one who healed her. She'll probably leave the farm, say, Oh, they didn't help me, but the medicine did. And Mm -hmm. if you think it's just all a tactic for control and it's, it just is disgusting, um, to, to, to take an opportunity like that away from somebody who needs it is that's just really, really hard. Um,
0: well, I mean, Rhonda, from when I was there, Rhonda was not a house mom. Mm. So she didn't live with these issues. Uh. So even if people had an eating disorder, she wasn't dealing with that. With that resident that had an eating disorder, it was the house mom and the roommates.
1: Mm.
0: Like those are the people that are actually suffering through all of this as well. And it's just it's such a bogus. I I I continue. I mean, I underline this because I wrote notes on. You know, I write notes with these stories. But one of the things that I wrote in France story is like keep them in chaos. Like mm-hmm. she's just ronda's power is keeping everybody in chaos right because this this story sounds chaotic other stories sound just chaotic and stressful and not the hope and joy filled place that i go to find jesus
1: right yeah there's oh there's a lot in this one that um once again as someone who hasn't been on there but like you can imagine and i can picture and it's not fun to do that um it's, it's it's really hard to to, to grapple with um, and then it just it just honestly like it makes my makes my heart hurt so much to think that there's women still mm-hmm. there that are getting this treatment or getting yeah this kind of treatment um, from Rhonda and these leaders currently like this is this is right here right now this is what potentially is happening on the farm we obviously have a lot of reason to believe it is um that's our speculation and stories like this are proof um however that's kind of one thing that too i you know you hear these stories and you're like oh my gosh that's awful and and what what the heck and why and you ask all these questions and i think it's just super uh important to remember like this is now um and it's not i mean it's happening all over the place but we know it, you know we we have reason to believe lots of reasons mm-hmm. to believe it's happening at the farm right mm-hmm. now and that is um horrendous, and it, no human deserves to be treated like that.
0: Agreed. Yeah. Um, and we thank Fran for sharing her story. Um, mm-hmm. You know, all these mm-hmm. stories, I I know that they can't be easy to write and put into words because these experiences are, they're a lot for us to read. And so just thank you. And thank you for those that continue to share your stories. You know, you, again, you are loved and you're not alone. Uh, Yeah. Thank you for listening to The Farm Project Podcast. Subscribe to our podcast to be notified of new releases and updates. You can visit our website at www.thefarmprojectmo.org. And for more information, you can follow us on social media at thefarmproject_mo. underscore MO. Do you have a story to tell? You aren't alone. We will respect your privacy if you do decide to share it. Our goal is to warn others and also take solace in a shared grief. Connect with us on our website or social media to share your story or to just talk to another ex-farm member. And one last thing before we go, have a question about the episode you just heard? Hop on over to our website and submit your question by following the link on our homepage.